what a penetrating question. Is there room in your heart for God? Well, this morning as we think about God's great love, as we remember that every Christmas, <laughs> I declare to you today that God has room in his heart for you. So please, open up your heart to him. And today we're going to consider God's great love. When are you the most honest and open and least fearful to say what you're thinking, to say what you're feeling? <laughs> well, that happens in trusting relationships. I know that's true in my life. Even the best relationships of love and trust get strained by our selfishness, by when we hurt one another with words, little offenses, big offenses, uh, <laughs> failings again and again. And trust takes so much time to build, doesn't it, in relationships? Learning to trust. And a faithful wife or husband, a faithful friend, where love and trust are strong, those are gifts from God and relish them. It is Christmas season, it's Advent, and we remember Christ's coming. And we've been reflecting on the traditional themes of Christmas, uh, the Advent season, uh, hope and peace and joy and love. And today we're gonna be reminded, I wanna remind myself, I've been reminded this week as I prepared this message, how much God loves us, how much his love is faithful, and today, I want to encourage all of us today to remember this, to ponder it, and then to share that love with others. Christ came willingly because he loved us. He died for our sins so that we could live forever. Let's remind ourselves about that willing love of God. When we believe in Christ, God's love removes all fear of judgment. And when you have no fear of judgment, then you can live and love like never before because perfect love does cast out fear. John reminds us of that in his first letter. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God, and so we know and we, we rely on God's love. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out Know that God loves us and he has driven away all fear because there's no longer fear of punishment when we believe in Christ. How do you have fear driven away in your life? Assurance of God's love starts with pondering it, meditating on it, remembering how he's fulfilled his promises in the past, celebrating and believing that Christmas is true, that Christ has come. That little baby was more than a, than a cute baby. He was God coming to save and then living in God's loving peace because there's no fear of punishment. So let's do that together today. We're going to look at four different passages, so we're going to be going quickly. But I start in Psalm 36, and, and, and Scott read verses 5 through 10, but I want us to look at the whole psalm together for a few minutes and then move on to several other great passages that remind us of God's love. David had an oracle, and we read in verse 1 through 4, do not fret, excuse me, wrong psalm. And an oracle is within my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for in his own eyes he flatters himself too much 
to detect or hate his sin. The words of his mouth are wicked and deceitful, and he has ceased to be wise and to do good. Even on his bed he plots evil. He commits himself to a sinful course and does not reject what is wrong. What's the difference between a righteous person and a wicked person? Those are terms David uses to explain the difference between a righteous person is a person who believes, who trusts in God. The wicked are those who refuse or reject God. Well, the wicked's problem starts with their fact, with the fact that they no longer or they do not fear God, have reverence for God. They've rejected God. They live as though God doesn't exist or they will never answer to him. And they become the center so to speak, of their own universe. They flatter themselves, David says. They, they say, I'm good, even though it may not or it is not true. They're unable to detect their own sins and shortcomings. They don't admit it. They're unwise and unable to do good. They plot evil, even at night. Instead of thinking about what they've done wrong, they just plot more plans. They have more plans of thinking about how they can do more evil or cover up their sin or find other ways to take rather than to give. They're committed to evil ways. It becomes a habit. It's their lifestyle. They have no other way of knowing how to live because they've forgotten God. And someone said that's the danger of sinning just a little bit because little bits of sin lead to bigger bits of sinning. It becomes a habit in our lifestyle. So David was taught by God. He had this, God spoke to his heart and he was thinking about people who didn't believe in God and, and how they lived. And then he wants to compare, and that's where Scott picked up in our reading in verse 5. The righteous, or those who believe in God, those who reverence God, they consider God and they think about his great love. They see God very differently. They know that he's at work and alive. And he talks about that. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens and your faithfulness to the skies. What's great about the Psalms is how personal they are, aren't they? When you're down or, or joyful, you can go to and find a psalm and someone's expressing from their heart and their soul exactly what you're feeling. And, and David here is telling God how he feels about God, what he's thinking about God. And we really need to do that regularly. We do that when we sing, but we need to speak it and say it to one another. And I would encourage you to do that this week. Say what you know about God and his great love for you. Make it conversational. Don't, don't force it on people who aren't ready to hear it, but just let people know what you're thinking about God. Oh, Lord, your love reaches to the heavens. <laughs> Human love and faithfulness can't compare to the heights of God's love. Meditate on the heights of it. Respond in trusting gratitude and obedience. And then he says, your righteousness is like the mighty mountains, your justice like the great deep. It's unmovable and steadfast. He does everything right. God never does anything wrong. How many wrong things have you done today? Already. God never does that. 
in comparison to God's righteousness, which is like the mighty mountains. <laughs> My righteousness, the right I do, is like sandcastles built on the seashore. <laughs> Soon washed away, wiped out. My righteousness just does not stand like God's. My justice is shallow, not like the great deep. Think about how much water's in the ocean. It's just unfathomable, isn't it? But my righteousness compared to God's is like a, a mud puddle. So shallow. How do we know what David says about God's great steadfast love and righteousness and justice? How do we know it's true? Well, David looks at the world and he sees how God has taken care of him and all of his creation. The animals are taken care of. It rains on the just and the unjust among people. God's patient mercy has stopped them from judging us the way we deserve. So again, I just say, believer in Christ, make sure you take time today, this week, with one another, wherever you can, whether it's by phone or in person, safely distanced, wherever it is, make sure you talk and remember about God's great love with one another. Because fear of judgment has been removed when you have believed in God and Jesus Christ. Ponder the immensity of God's love because he does not treat me the way my sins deserve. What have you been thinking about today? Well, it's Sunday, so some of us have been thinking about football games. Some of us have been thinking about work and the pressures that are there. Some of us have been thinking about the bills that are piling up because maybe we are out of work or we're worried about losing a job and, and the way to meet. Some of us are worried about loved ones and we're feeling our own pain and grief for some reason or troubles. And the, thinking about those things are not wrong or evil. But make sure you ponder God's great love in the midst of all of it. Remember his love because it drives away any fear of judgment. It reminds us that God is faithful to us. How else can we have fear driven away? Because we live in hope. Turn to the book of Jeremiah. Live in hope because of God's great love. Why do I go to Jeremiah chapter 31? Because this is one of the low points, one of many low points in Israel's history. They had been disobedient. Years of warning had come from the prophet Isaiah. Years before. The judgment was coming if they didn't turn back to God from their idols, but they refused to turn. And now, in Jeremiah's day, it was all coming true. The Babylonians, the Chaldeans were coming. They were ransacking Jerusalem. They were destroying. They were taking, destroying the nation, taking people captive. The nation was in turmoil, and yet they still did not turn to God in the very midst when it was happening, when it was coming true, what God said would happen if they disobeyed, it was happening. And what does God say through Jeremiah to them? In chapter 31, verses 2, we read, 
excuse me, verse 3, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. I will build you up again and you will be rebuilt, O virgin Israel. Again, you will take up your tambourines and go out to dance with joyfulness. (laughs) At one of their lowest points of disobedience and unfaithfulness to their God, God reminds them of his unfailing love. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. The new covenant is even better news. In in verse 31 of chapter 31 of Jeremiah, we read, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. I will not be, it will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is a covenant I will make with the house of Israel at the, after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law on their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or his man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. That's the good news of the covenant, of the new covenant. The new covenant that Jesus came to establish in his shed blood. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, Some of us are so familiar with that verse that we don't get impacted by it. How great is God's love for us? That he himself came to die for our sins so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Fear of judgment is driven away when we truly believe Jesus is God sent to purchase our forgiveness. Instead of condemnation, we receive love and mercy and everlasting life in God's presence. Think about it. At the, one of the lowest points of Israel's history, God reminds them, gives them hope, cries out to them, open up your heart to me, and have eternal life. I'm about to establish a new covenant with you, you rebellious people. I will forgive your sins, and your heart will be one with my heart. I'm going to make it happen. (laughs) Wow. Israel's unfaithful ways could not stop God from accomplishing all he had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God is going to raise up not only a holy nation of Jewish people, in the future that will love him and serve him. He's going to raise up countless Gentiles from every tribe, language, people, and nation. It's going to happen. It is happening. And if you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then just rest assured in that and rejoice in this hope. (laughs) Have you been unfaithful to the Lord? Willingly gone your own way, even though you know he's truly the Savior. Have you not guarded your heart and mind with what is noble and good and pure and perfect and lovely? Return to the Lord. Confess your sins and he will forgive you. God holds those who hold on to him in faith. 
And I would say to you today, if you've gone astray, if you've wandered off the path, just say it. I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. I need your grace to help me to hold on to you. Lord, help me and turn my heart back to you. God, is it true that if I confess my sins, make restitution where I can among people, that you will be faithful and just and forgive me my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness? How can you do that? Because God loves you and he sent his son to die in our place. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God, so that we might be perfect examples of God's holiness as we live for him. God began a good work in you and he will bring it to completion. Does God love us? Well, David reminds us that God's enduring love is there for those who trust in God. It'll never be taken away. Not because we deserve his love, but because he's merciful and gracious and has made the way for us to believe and be made clean. In Jeremiah's story, his prophecy reminds us that at the lowest point of Israel's disobedience, one of the lowest points of their rebellion from God, God reminded them of this faithful love and was calling out to them to come to him. Remembering that, just remember to celebrate Christmas. God's love appeared in person. I think COVID is going to help me celebrate Christmas in a new and fresh and more exciting way because it can't be the way I like it. But nothing has changed with God's love for us and what he's doing in the world. So celebrate. You know, there's a great key difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. And we celebrate Christmas because God's love appeared in person. And and Paul writes to Titus in Titus chapter 3. Listen to these words in verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. That's Christmas. That's when Christ was born. He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. Old covenant, new covenant. What's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant? Well, there's lots of differences, but a key difference is God came and personal, appeared in person and rescued us. Now, yes, God was there when Moses was leading Israel out of Egypt. He, he did great works, sent the plagues, He rescued them at the Red Sea. The pillar, the cloudy pillar was there leading them during the day and at night. The angel of death passed over their homes that were covered, that had blood on the door lintels. God was there leading them through the wilderness, providing manna and water and everything they needed. He was there. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. He himself. 
And that's what makes the new covenant, one of the reasons that makes the new covenant so special, because Jesus Christ came in person, shed his own blood, not the blood of a lamb, but the perfect lamb, God himself, fully human, fully God, redeemed us to make us brothers and sisters. It's miraculous. It's hard to imagine that God himself would come and suffer human indignity so that he might save people like me and you. Sinners who really don't deserve it because we've rebelled, but he loves us with an enduring love. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. You're a treasure if you're a follower of Christ today. <laughs> Celebrate Christmas. This truth gives us cause to be filled with great joy every day, not just Christmas season. We're, we're loved with an everlasting love that will never let us go. God's loving hand is guiding us through things right now, even through the valley of the shadow of death. We have nothing to fear because we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's not the end of life. It's just the beginning of life, of a different life, of a better life. So what does that truth do for you and me? Well, it should change how I think, and it will change what I do. I can live without fear. No fear of dying because I'm going to live forever in Christ. No fear of judgment because my sins have been removed by the Lord Jesus Christ. God's love drives it away. Fear is driven away. I go to 1 John chapter 4, just to read a few verses. In verse 16 of 1 John 4, we read, And so we know and we rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. As David said in Psalm 103, God loves, God's love loves us and does not treat us as our sins deserve. He removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. He treats us like a father full of compassion. He wants to save us. He doesn't want to condemn us. He is patient and kind, so he hasn't judged us. He's waited to judge the world because he wants more people to have time to come to Christ and believe and receive life everlasting. He gave us the right, John writes in his gospel chapter, to become children of God when we believe in him. If God is for us, who can be against us? Even death has no victory because of over Christ's followers because he gives them his life and it can't be taken away. I have no fear of dying now, even though sometimes I am afraid of it because of the unknown, and yet I need not fear it because God's love is with me. 
The love of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit drives fear away because judgment is gone. And now I can love my enemies Yeah, who is that enemy that you have? You can love them now because you are loved and there's no fear of judgment, so you can love them the way God has loved you because God's love has filled you. I'd like to go back to where we started just for a few moments. Psalm 36. David's reflecting on the wicked. God had taught him something in his heart. And he was reflecting on it. And he realized that the wicked were not going to stand. They don't remember God or think about God. But people who believe, people who, whose God's grace is touched, they do remember how faithful God's love is. In verse 9 he writes, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. That's how God works. He gives us his light so we can see more of his truth, how great his love is. And then he asks this, he has this prayer. Continue your love to those who know you, your righteousness to the upright in heart. So he's asking God to keep giving me light. Say that prayer. Lord, keep giving me your light about how faithful your love is, how enduring it is, how I need no longer fear because you have forgiven me. And then in verse 11, he says, may the foot of the proud not come against me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. Lord, take away fear of those evil people, people who are against me because I follow you. Take away that fear, protect me, watch over me, and I know you will, Lord. And then in verse 13, he says this, See how the evildoer lies fallen, thrown down, not able to rise. It's a reminder, Lord, of where the, those unbelievers are going to be. So help me to be faithful to you because your love's enduring, because I know their end. Doubters, skeptics of who don't believe Jesus is the Savior who came, Anyone who might not be fear God, be warned about your end. Believer, be reminded of unbelievers' end so you don't envy them or act like them. Remember Pharaoh. He disregarded God. See how it ended. Remember Jericho. They disregarded God. See how it ended. Think about Jerusalem. They disregarded their God and see how it came to an end. Think about the tomb. It couldn't hold Jesus. Death had no power because of God's great love for us in Christ. Nothing can get in God's love's way for believers who trust in him. We have God's grace to enable us to do good things good works without fear because of God's great love. Ponder his great love. Say it. Tell others about it. How God's been faithful to you in his love. Rest in the hope of his great love because he keeps his promises. Celebrate his love this Christmas and always. Go and don't be afraid. Wherever you go this week, don't be afraid because God's love endures 
forever. Let's pray. Our loving Lord, I ask you today to take away fear of people. Help us to only fear you and reverence you and to trust in you. Help us not to be afraid of what people might say or think or even do against us because you alone love. Help us to trust in you. Lord, help us not to live in fear, but in wisdom. Guide our steps to help us always depend on you. Give us the strength we need to follow you without fear, with all of our hearts, to follow your paths to love and joy and peace. Lord, take away the fear of the future that might be in our hearts because we don't know what's coming tomorrow and yet we know that you will be faithful to your promises you have been and you are today and you always will be. Our best future is ahead. Help us to see it and remind us of it this week, we ask you. And Lord, we ask you to hear this prayer so that the Lord Jesus Christ may be known and loved wherever we go. And we pray this in our Savior's name, the one who loved us and came for us, who redeemed us himself and shed his own blood so that we could live. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.